0: Welcome to Zooming In at The Unpopulist. I'm your host, Aaron Ross Powell. Politicians love to stress the need for law and order, and most Americans are on board with that. But the phrase rings rather differently in middle-class suburbia than it does in those communities most subject to the heavy hand or fist of the law. To explore what law and order looks like in African-American communities, I'm joined today by Stephen Henderson. He's the host of NPR's Detroit Today and Detroit Public Television's American Black Journal. Before working in TV and radio, Henderson won a Pulitzer Prize for commentary for his writing at the Detroit Free Press. What does the phrase law and order mean in Black communities in a way that's maybe different than what, say, suburban white progressives think of when they hear that?
1: So, I mean, I think, as with all things, history is kind of important um, when you think about the, the way that people receive messages today or hear things today. And so when you talk about uh, black communities and that phrase law and order, um, you know, the history there is is pretty awful. Um, I mean, uh, s- some recent history, of course. Um, the the war on drugs uh, that that escalates during the 1980s, in particular, uh, has an outsized effect on on African Americans and and African American men in particular. Um, I mean, we can debate for a long time, you know, the merits of uh, of, of drug use and drug selling, um, but but the way in which the drug war targeted uh, African-Americans differently, I think, uh, is the thing that stands out in African-American communities. If you go back just uh, a few decades before that to the 1960s, um, the phrase law and order uh, was used over and over again, um, uh, particularly in the South, uh, in in answer to the calls for uh, respect of full citizenship for, for African-Americans. Uh, law and order was used as a way of uh, justifying police brutality against civil rights protests and protesters. Um, it was uh, the way in which uh, some pretty prominent anti-civil rights figures uh, uh, sort of mustered support for their position. Uh, uh, the idea that, that um, the things that were changing, uh, the things that were being asked to change, uh, would lead to a breakdown of law and order, um, uh, and so that's another, I think, historical point. And then, if you go back even further to um, you know the end of the Civil War and the Reconstruction period, um, you know there is a violent uh, uh, pushback to to Reconstruction, to the efforts uh, to make full citizenship a reality for African Americans in the South. Uh and and law and order is the, the the phrase that that gets invoked time and again as a pushback uh to that, that that black freedom, uh black voting, um, black uh community building and and business growing were somehow threats to this idea of of law and order. And in fact, uh, you know, the the origin of the Ku Klux Klan itself. Uh, finds its, uh, finds itself mired in this phrase and this idea that there's a law and order that um, that mandates black inferiority um, in order to, to, to be maintained and so um I mean I think those are all things that that as African Americans we grow up hearing about and learning but it they're, they're also the things that 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 we experience I mean here in the 1980s in Detroit um, you know, I was a teenager uh, and getting my first taste of uh, the kinds of freedoms you you, you get as an adult—driving a car, riding around in cars with people. Um, the fear we had of Detroit police back then, and in particular um, uh, the Big Four, which was uh, a, a squad of uh, plainclothes policemen in unmarked cars who rode around and, and pretty much did what they wanted. Um, you know, we knew who that was and we knew what kind of trouble we might face no matter what we were doing, if we came across them. Um, and so it's just, a it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a phrase that invokes all of those things, both historical and contemporary, uh, that suggests that that's about targeting us in a way that, um, uh, that, that, heightens and enhances the notion that uh, we are not equal equal
0: citizens. As you were saying that it put me in mind of there's this passage from a speech that Bill Buckley gave in 1965 to NYPD officers that I come back to all the time as I think representative of this view that that sees basically the social hierarchy that has at I mean certainly in 1965 blacks at or near the bottom, um, as indicative of order and indicative of the way that civilization just naturally ought to be. And he's so he's again, he's talking to New York police officers in 1965 about protests, about civil rights protests. And this was a time when, let's just say, like, Black Americans had reasons to be skeptical of cops in 1965, Uh, and he says, Every age in which values are distorted, an age like our own in which truths are thought either not to exist or or as to exist only as quaint curios from the dead past, the wrath of the unruly falls with focus on the symbols of authority, continuity, and tradition. And you see – it feels like you see an element of that even today in terms of – I watched a lot of people during the uh, George Floyd protests, a lot of people who were extremely sympathetic to the argument that there was police were were brutal, needed reform, that they acted in really awful ways to marginalize communities and so on. As soon as the protests were large enough that they were, say, blocking traffic, that there was a little bit of violence on the margins of them, it was all of a sudden, no, what we need is law and order, like a little bit of – and and a viewing of basically – traditionally like marginalized underprivileged people asserting themselves as representative of not justice but of disorder and and it really just seems to trap a lot of like even well-meaning people's thinking of the moment the moment the struggle for liberty becomes a little bit unruly we need to clamp down on it
1: yeah yeah well and and again that's tied to this this history and this idea of what place um, what place African Americans are supposed to occupy uh, in our country and and look, a lot of this is subconscious, right? Um, uh, as you point out, a lot of well-meaning people are still uh, raised and socialized um, you know in, in a culture that has all of these markers of inequality baked into it, and so the assumption uh, is that that that's the way things are supposed to be, right? Um, and and somebody who's who's pushing back against it, um, you know, is is uh, is disrupting uh, disrupting that structure. Um, and and that structure then, of course, becomes synonymous in the narrative with with the idea of law and order. That that as long as that structure is in place, uh, we're all safe or fine. Um, you know. Uh, it was interesting during the, the the George Floyd protests at how um, exercised people got and how how much was made over over those protests and and what they looked like. Um, you know, uh, I'm the first one to call out people who take advantage of you know legitimate uh, protests and demonstration and act uh, in ways that are inappropriate or illegal. Uh, but there was so little of that, really. Uh, if if you were out in the streets uh, and watching what was going on, I mean, uh, there was less of that there than we saw, for instance, on January sixth of twenty twenty one, when you know a, a real mob attacked the attacked the Capitol. A lot of the folks who who defend, um, you know, the people who felt aggrieved enough to to do that. Um, also feel as though you know uh, African Americans and, and and their allies who were protesting the police didn't deserve that sympathy um but again it's it is about the way in which we're trained to see um, black people and black causes um uh, there, there is this this defaulting to the idea that the structure that we live with today is the right one and the one that must be protected,
0: and it's law and order that, that preserves that. How much of this is race versus class? And I ask because – so the Tyree Nichols murder has been, and the response to it has been in the news a lot lately. And particularly among the right, you see this narrative that this didn't have anything to do with race because the perpetrators were black. Um, And, and so is this, is what we're seeing really about race or is it about the fact that blacks happen to be the lower status group? And so it's about lower status groups asserting themselves.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, on one hand, I always think that's a totally legitimate question uh, to ask because there are really great substantive answers to it. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I always hesitate because I think, um, posing it as an either or, um, leans into some of the, the, the real complication around, around the distinctions uh, that we try to draw, I guess, in our, in our society. Um, so yes, um, uh, poor people in America um, uh, suffer from a form of inequality that, that we can, um, we can document and, and discuss. And, and many of us, depending on the community that we live in can see, um, you know, on a daily, on a daily basis. Um, you know, I spent, um, I spent the first two and a half years of my career, um, working for a newspaper in Lexington, Kentucky, um, uh, the Lexington Herald Leader, which covered not only Lexington but all of Eastern Kentucky back then, and um, uh, you know, I, I'd grown up in Detroit, which is uh, you know, uh, at that in that era was kind of ground zero for um, urban poverty and and the the, the growth of urban poverty. Um, but the things that I witnessed. Um, in Eastern Kentucky, and I spent a lot of time in what we called the coal counties, uh, places that um, uh, that had uh, uh, real isolation and deep poverty um, uh, kind of combining to keep people in this intergenerational cycle of being locked out of opportunity. Um, it really taught me a, a lot about how that kind of... Um, how that kind of inequality plays out that, um, you know, um, uh, these were white people who, who suffered from the same kind of lack of opportunity that, um, that I, that I see in other, in other places. Um, uh, and so, yeah, class matters in in America, but, but so does race. And, and, uh, to the extent that, um, uh that they aren't um distinct uh you know in some in some ways right uh, african americans um uh, are are overrepresented among poor people in america and so it's hard to to draw that distinction but there are some things that we can that we can talk about that make it different to be black than it is to be poor. And, and the beating of Tyree Nichols, I think is, is a, a very good example. Um, so my answer, when people say, um, for instance, that, um, uh, you know, this happened, uh, at the hands of black officers. Um, and so that's not racist. I mean, that, that, um, that leans into the idea that racism, is about individual action and individual agency uh, and not about systemic uh, 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 policy. That the idea that black cops are black and therefore distinct from white cops uh, in their actions um, is somewhat of a fallacy in a, in, a, in a society that has institutions like policing um, you know, that are imbued with this idea of, uh, of black inferiority. And so, you know, the police who did that, um, you know, um, when you, when you watch the the video in particular, um, you see them essentially mimicking the very same behaviors that you would see, uh, from a from a group of white officers uh, reacting to Tyree Nichols and what he's doing, this idea that uh, what he was doing was defying their authority, that he was somehow not complying with uh, their superiority over him. Uh, those are institutional, uh, uh, those are institutional motivations. and and they explain, I think, um, why those police officers didn't see him as another black man. They saw him as, um, you know, as an opponent of their authority. Um, You know, all of us, all of us in this society, whether we are well-intentioned or not, um, are products of this 250-year experiment that has fallen way short of the idea of uh, equality among races. Uh, we're, we're all uh, products of a system that assigns less value to black lives than to others. Um, and and so we're all, I think, susceptible to behavior that reflects that, um, uh, often in a subconscious uh, way that uh, or an unintentional way. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the, the, uh, there, there is a problem with poverty. There's also a problem with race. Sometimes they converge uh, and are, are indistinguishable in the moment because they're both playing out uh, in, a, in a particular situation. But I don't think that that poses them as uh, an either or construct, right? Uh, they both operate independently um, and they both can operate together. Um, when when the situation kind of invokes them
0: both. When you said that they were reacting, that they being the the police officers who murdered Tyree Nichols, um, were reacting to him, or at least the perception of him not following, not obeying their authority, it seems like a lot of a lot of what we see in the way that people think about law and order is a mistaken conflation of authority and order. That that authority and respect for authority is both how you get order and to some extent what it means for there to be order. But in a lot of these cases, you describe the 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 plainclothes unit drifting through the, the streets. Um, and and we had a similar instance with this unit disbanded in Memphis after the Tyree Nichols thing, that authority is almost anathema to order in in a lot of cases. Uh does that how does that play out in in these communities because it seems like in a lot of cases like having these kinds of cops who are acting from a position of authority and enforcing it brutally actually leads to disorder i'm thinking like you you're not going to trust the cops as much you're not going to go to them for like help when you actually need it and so on like is that do we have that kind of feedback loop sure um so so Part of the problem
1: is again, that the idea um, the idea of order um, becomes synonymous with uh, this idea of um, of compliance with whatever those who have been, have been given authority to enforce order decide what they want to do, and that's a kind of false sense of order. Um, um, and it's false in I think the most important way, because it's uh, an order that comes from uh, uh, you know it's an it's an order that is imagined and enforced outside of the community that um, that it's being enforced against. Um, all of us as Americans want to live with a sense of order, right? We want predictability, we want safety. Uh, we wanna be able to walk out of our homes and go to school or go to work and, uh, or go to, 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 to recreate without having to worry about being safe, uh, uh, doing that. If you start with that as the premise that's worth defending, I think it, it would be hard to get to um, you know, logically, the, the the kinds of things we see police often doing in our society, right? This idea of um, a scorpion unit, which was the name that they gave to the one in, in Memphis. What was it that they were doing that was about that kind of order? Um, or was it just about, um, you know, enforcing this idea that if the cops tell you to do something, you got to do it. If the cops... Think you're you're doing something wrong. You must be doing something wrong, um, and and we've lost that. Um, I think we've lost that connection in a lot of these communities now. A lot of people are saying we never had it. That the the the, the entire uh, intent behind policing was always uh, some form of of subjugation, and certainly it was in some ways uh, at the very beginning. But I do think that that. Um, you know th- there there was a stretch of time in in American history where uh, things were not as starkly um, disconnected from from what I'm talking about in terms of policing and and what police were actually doing. Um, we have go- We have reached a point I think um, of of sliding back uh, to this this really um, I think raw notion of. Uh, of authority itself being worth protecting uh, as opposed to order uh, trying to be defined and and, and then uh, enacted. And I think they're different, right? Authority and, and order aren't the same thing, But but we've come to conflate those two things when it
0: comes to policing. What do we do about that then? Because obviously the system as it exists now and in cities around the country is – not just not working but is in many cases monstrously unjust and destructive and violent and inhumane and so on. Uh, And there seems to be – I mean among a lot of people there there is a recognition of this. There are certainly people who deny this or there are people on the fringes who embrace it, but a lot of people recognize that there is a significant problem. However, we have this problem of the conflation of authority and order. We also have a problem where anytime we try to have even minor meaningful reforms, like a reform DA comes in and tries to clean up a police department, the police are incredibly powerful culturally and politically. Uh, the media, even, even like mainstream or center left media, often perhaps inadvertently kind of takes the police side uncritically reports what they say, highlights handfuls of instances of disorder and violence. This seems to be an environment where fixing this problem that has its roots as far back as American history goes is awfully difficult. How do we – what do we do? Yeah.
1: That's such a big question. <laughs> um, so I, I'll start with um, the conversations that I've been having here in Detroit with um, with folks who want to quote defund the police, um, and I don't count myself um, as part of that community. Right? Uh, I, I think that's a, at minimum, it's a terrible, um, it's a terrible name in terms of messaging because. It implies something that I don't think even the most ardent uh, believers in it actually want to have happen, which is the idea that you'd have no um, no way to 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 keep order, uh, real order. Um, but when I talk to them about what it is that they want to see, the 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 common thread or the most common thread is a return to the idea that communities need to 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 be the drivers behind these ideas of what is order, what is safety, what is worth protecting, um, and and how do we do that? Uh, And in some cases, what they would say is that if you start there, you would never end up with uh, a police department in the in the the sense that we know it now. I guess, I guess I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree with with several other things that they that they talk about um, as being central to kind of a rethink of of all of those things. Um, you know, emphasizing the things that that um, actually matter and are threats to people's sense of safety and order. Uh, if you grew up in in a city like Detroit, um, uh, even today, um, let alone when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, which I, I think were a more dangerous time uh, to, to, to be a Detroiter. Um, but even today, I mean, there are things that, that we need taken care of. I mean, we need to, to protect citizens from, um, from crime, from violent crime, from, uh, from theft, from, from, from all kinds of things. I mean, th- these, are, these are ills that actually exist uh, and exist in greater number in some ways in urban uh, neighborhoods because of the, the, the poverty and the lack of opportunity and this, this intergenerational dynamic that we've created over the last 40 or 50 years that I think has really, really made it much more entrenched. Um, but if you start with those ideas... Um, then the question is, how do you preserve them? And and um, I think we're seeing some interesting ideas out of that community. Uh, the idea that the police don't need to respond uh, to everything that we think of as disorder. Maybe it's that we need mental health workers. Maybe it's that we need social workers. Maybe it's that we need. Um uh, 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 other kinds of health uh, medical health support for people. Um, you know the, the 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 crises that 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 occur in people's lives that bring the police are, are so broad in scope these days. Um, it's anything, anything at all that goes wrong, you dial 911 and they send the police, and the police aren't even trained. To manage most of that, um, and, and in many cases, because they're of what they're trained to do, they respond in a way that escalates rather than de-escalates the situation, and that's how we end up with these these horrific examples. Um, I think if if you can rethink from the level of a community, from you know, it's it's kind of a hyper-democratic uh, idea to say that um, you know this this idea of of policing uh, a community should come from the community itself rather than from uh, a government authority that that is somewhat disconnected um, from those communities I think is is where we start um, and we're seeing some of that happen even in the city of Detroit I mean um, uh, they are ramping up the efforts to 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 Pair police with other kinds of supports, so that yeah, they're responding, but they've got somebody with them who's a little more of an expert on mental health or uh, or who understands that community a little better than they might. Um, you know these are the kinds of efforts that I think are are moving in the right direction. You know the the question you've asked, which is how do we fix it, I think is is much further down that road. And um, and and ultimately, we do end up at that that big question of: Should there be a police department? What should it do? Who should be part of that police department? How should it interact with the community? And I think there are a, a lot of really different and diverging opinions about that. And and you do have a, a significant population that wants no policing. Um, but I think we can have that conversation. Uh, about a lot of other things before we get to that point where we have to decide are should there be police or not and and I'm not even sure that's a practical uh that's a practical question um you know for some of the reasons you pointed out that that it is systemic it is such a a baked in part of our 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 society i think the idea of getting rid of it uh, maybe may be unrealistic uh, but but some of these other things some of these Uh, other notions of rooting this whole exercise in the idea of what a community decides it needs and wants uh, is where we start.
0: Thank you for listening to Zooming In at The Unpopulist. If you enjoy this show, please take a moment to review us in Apple Podcasts and also check out Reimagining Liberty, our sister podcast, The Unpopulist, where I explore the emancipatory and cosmopolitan case for radical social, political, and economic freedom. Zooming In is produced by Landry Ayers and is a project of The Unpopulist.